Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples with me, Chris Rogers. It's so good to have you with me today. Welcome if you're one of our new listeners. It's really lovely to have you hop on board. We picked up so many listeners uh, this Easter. It's been fantastic. So it's really lovely having you with me. Thank you if you are one of the listeners that supported the podcast by buying me a coffee. Massive thank you. I'm sat here right now with my cup of coffee that one of you has paid for as I record this episode. So massive thank you. Now this season of Making Disciples, I'm walking through some old teaching notes that I put together uh, a number of years ago uh, for a teaching series called What If We Knew What God Knows About Us. And that teaching series eventually became a book of the same title, What If We Knew What Uh, God knows about us and we started exploring this last week uh, with kind of part one essentially so this is part two on the series of what if we knew what God knows about us hey if you've not listened to part one that's perfectly fine you can hop straight on board with this it's not you you know you are not going to miss out on anything you can go back and listen to episode one or part one of this uh, at another point that's not a problem at all just so pleased that you are with me. So in today's episode, I'm going to walk us through some teaching notes that I put together, uh, essentially entitled Sons and Daughters. And it's really about remembering our purpose and our significance, because we often forget uh, what our purpose is, and we forget what our significant is, significance is, and we, we think very little of ourselves. And I, I want to change the way you see yourself. You should not see yourself as somebody worthless or valueless, uh, but actually somebody with great value. So that's what we're going to explore today in this episode. So friends, welcome to Making Disciples. So good to have you with me. Let's jump straight in. Well, here we go. Sons and daughters, purpose and significance. So friends, my name is Chris Rogers. I'm a Rogers. That's my family identity. And I describe our family, our bit of my family that live in London. We describe ourselves as the Rogers tribe with the southern part of a northern family. I'm I'm a northerner at heart, but living on mission in London, in the South. So I describe myself as, uh, and our family is the Rogers tribe, and we often sign off uh, emails or text messages or birthday cards as the Rogers tribe. It's our identity. And that name, Rogers, it feeds how I think about myself. It feeds my understanding of my purpose and my significance. Um, I know as a, as a Rogers, Rogers aren't destructive people, but we are constructive problem solvers. From a very young age, uh, it was kind of instilled into me that we solve problems. Uh, I used to work for a company in my mid-teens that my mum also worked for. It was a clothing company called CNA, and I learned very quickly as a Rogers in the workplace, when somebody says, can you do this, you uh, resolve issues, so you say yes no problem. You, you know, you are going to work out a way of solving that issue. So as Rogers, as we're problem solvers, another thing about a Rogers is we don't really have credit cards. We don't live in credit. Uh, if you don't have the cash, if you've not saved up the money for it, then you just don't do it. Um, so we don't have a, f- a family credit card. Um, it's not the way that we work. We don't t- 
put things on credit. Uh, we, we save up our pennies in the bank and eventually when we've got the money, then we buy that thing. Uh, and we own it outright ourselves. That's just a part of what it means to be a Rogers. We speak kindly uh, of other people. Uh, we take our shoes off when we go into other people's homes. You know, the, these are the practices of what it means to be a Rogers. Um, and God wants to give us a similar kind of identity about ourselves, that we are a part of something that he is doing. And that family identity means that we have got practices and behaviors that match the family name now it says in john 14 18 jesus says i will not leave you as orphans but i am going to come to you i am not going to leave you as an orphan friends an orphan is a child whose parents have passed away or a child that maybe has been abandoned permanently and when you have been abandoned or when you've lost your parents you are described as a, an orphan you are orphaned that is the phrase. And an orphan uh, behaves uh, very often without this idea of the family name, the family tribe. This is how we do things around here. Because an orphan doesn't have that same sense of I'm a part of something. An orphan can feel like they're on their own. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of years ago who's a counsellor. And she introduced me to an idea that of something that I'd never really heard of uh, before, and it was called orphan syndrome. And orphan syndrome is when somebody who is an orphan, they see themselves in a particular way, and it forms and shapes how they see themselves and how they work in the world. So uh, an orphan, um, I have to be very careful when you talk about this stuff, because there are listeners on this podcast today who you will be an orphan. And you might not have heard this phrase or this might bring up things for you in your own personal life. So I just want to tread really carefully on this. But it's just interesting to hear from a counsellor this idea of an, of an orphan syndrome or an orphan complex. And my counsellor friend says, um, if somebody is a orphan, then they often play out or they work out of uh, a worldview of themselves. Uh, where they believe that there's no real firm foundation of their life. There's no family to return to. There's no family home to return to. There's nowhere, you know, they're on their own. They're wandering life on their own. And therefore, they behave out of uh, that worldview. And my counsellor friend walked me through uh, some of the behaviour patterns of an orphan. And it was, I, mean, I just found it really interesting. So, uh, there are 17 things on the list. I'll fly through them really quickly. So somebody who's behaving with an orphan complex or orphan syndrome may uh, hoard, hoard their possessions, they hoard their time, they hoard their position, they hoard their relationships that they do. They, they cling on to, they hoard the things that they have in fear of losing, losing it. Orphan may wish that they had more they can often play out of an envy for what others have or a greed for what they sh could get their hands on uh, number three jealousy of what others have four uh, always fighting for what they perceive to be their rights nobody else is going to do it for me so i need to fight for my rights um if they have a faith they can potentially quite fearful of god's wrath I'm not quite sure kind of how that all fits. I'm sure one of you would explain that to me, but a fear of God's wrath in their life. Six, seeing God as being harsh 
or cruel. Essentially, I guess it's because, you know, the world has been cruel to them. Therefore, God must be cruel. Uh, can tend to be defensive all the time. Uh, so def- end up in that, you know, that uh, I'm in a battle against the world. I'm on my own. Nobody else is going to fight for me. So end up being defensive. Can often feel like they're on the outside looking in, that they are uh, essentially pushed out. They feel like everybody's pushing them out all the time. They're pushed out. And it's not necessarily true at all. Uh, but that's how they feel about themselves and how they read other people's behavior is that they're being pushed out even when they aren't. So you feel like you're on the outside looking in. They can feel confused about their identity, not sure who they are. They can feel neglected by authority figures. Uh, they can feel worried about their future because they just don't know where it's heading. They can end up therefore being performance orientated, feel like they've got to earn people's love by performing well. Uh, often can't take criticism. Uh, it feels way too personal for them. Often feel lonely and they feel isolated. I guess that comes out of this idea of feeling like an outsider looking in. Lonely and isolated. They can be critical of others that they perceive to be loved. Uh, so another child who's been loved, an orphan, can look at that child and be critical of them because of the fact that they feel that they're more loved than they are as an adult they can do the same critical of others that they perceive to be loved they can feel unworthy to ask for anything and they also have difficulty receiving and giving love now what's interesting is that i'll read down that list my gosh that sounds a lot like humanity to me that sounds a lot like how we as human beings behave not just uh orphans i look at that and go, i know a lot of people who aren't orphaned who who behave in that way i've got friends who are not orphaned but certainly have been rejected by their parents or disowned by their parents or unloved by their parents emotionally orphaned uh, if not physically uh, orphaned uh, so I end up playing out of some of those behaviors i wonder how many of those you might connect with yourself but to me that sounds like a long list of humanity let me just read this to us. So this is going to come from 2 Corinthians 6. It's a beautiful passage. Uh, I'm read from verses 14 through 18. It's a bit long, but you'll see why I'm reading it in a second. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what uh, partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? For what fellowship has light with darkness? What cord has Christ with Baal? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. A touch no unclean thing, and then I, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You will be sons and daughters to me. And that's where I really want to get to today. Your identity is not found in how good your earthly parents are. Your worth and value is not found in what appreciation your parents, earthly parents have ever shown for you. 
if they have shown high appreciation of you or no appreciation, your value and worth is not found in them at all. But your value and worth is found in the fact that Father God is adopting you as a son and a daughter. You are an adopted child of the Most High. So let's just start right back at the start of the story. We find this in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, verse 27 it says this so god created humankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them see adam and eve were friends they were fathered by god in his image they were fathered by god in his image from adam and eve's creation they were made in god's likeness uh, and they were made for a responsibility see god made adam and eve in his image with responsibilities so if you just walk through with us for a second what our responsibilities are so genesis 1 26 to 28 tell us that adam and eve were created as representatives of god as uh, you could say vice regents over creation they were created to manage to tend to dress and to care for creation they were created uh, to have a role to be played out in humanity so adam and eve were created as representatives of god to the created order representatives of god they were also created with the privilege of intimacy with god we're told that they walked in the garden with god in the cool of the day there was an intimacy that they had with god and this intimacy was reflecting back to God his glory. This intimacy that they had with him reflected back to him his glory. And they were created with a purpose. In Genesis 2.15 it says this, that they were created to partner with him in creating. Uh, it says in Genesis 2 that they were put in the garden to tend to dress and to care for creation. They were to continue the created order. Um, the Garden of Eden was never going to stay a garden. It was going to become a village and a town and then later a city. Adam and Eve were to breed. They were to have children. They were to make and they were to create. So Adam and Eve's creation in the book of Genesis was about representing God. It was about a privilege of intimacy with God. And it was about a partnership with God in his creation and his creativity. So friends, right from the start, the pattern is laid down like father like son as god ruled over creation so his sons were to uh, replicate that rule and reign on planet earth um when i say like father like son now obviously what i mean by that is like father like sons and father like daughters um but the phrase i don't know if you heard it before you know oh father like son uh the the son of the father are so similar oh yeah you know i have it with my people say about my son Isaac oh you know he loves making stuff doesn't he oh father like son it's a phrase that people use and it's the same with us in the way that the father was we as his sons and daughters are we were created to represent this God of love we were created with the privilege of intimacy with this God of love and we were created to partner in his creativity that's who we are like father like son and daughter that's who we are who we are meant to be so god in jesus reclothes us and sons as, as sons and daughters so we were created as sons and daughters of god but we fell short 
we fell apart we didn't live out this representative this intimate relationship with god this co-partnership with god we didn't do that we actually did the opposite and we disrespected god we disobeyed god and we sinned and in sinning we walked away from what it meant to be partners with god sons and daughters we orphaned ourselves from god in our sin so what does jesus do jesus therefore comes to redeem us on the cross to bring us from being orphans to being sons and daughters again why jesus didn't die just to save you from something he died to save you for something what was the for what is it that god saved us for in other words friends you when you receive jesus you don't do so just to get a golden ticket to heaven when you receive jesus you get pulled back into a position that you are always meant to hold as a representative of god privileged intimacy with god a partner to co-conspirit and to create with him so god in jesus is reclothing us as sons and daughters chris give us proof what is the proof let me take you to the story of the prodigal son for a moment story of the prodigal son the son orphans himself from the father i don't want to believe you're alive anymore i'm going to go off and i want my inheritance today so the son orphans himself and he goes off to a foreign land where he squanders the wealth in squandering the wealth he ends up in the field serving pigs that little serving pigs that line there is a massive indication of how far he has fallen he's fallen so far away from god he's now in the field of another god where pigs are allowed you know pigs were seen as unclean animals he's fallen so far from grace that he's now in the field of another god in another land serving the pigs the most detestable unclean animal uh, that was perceived at that time uh, by the jews so he has orphaned himself and the prodigal son he realizes that he needs to come back he needs to come back to the father and we're told that he turns to come home and the father is running towards him this is just all background to the next part of the story so we're told that the son comes home he is now brought back into the family so he's readopted into the family as a son and as a son we are told that the father orders three things to happen this is super cool number one we're told that he is robed get the finest robe and put it on my son's shoulders he's told that's the family robe you remember the story of joseph and the technicolor dream coat uh, coats and robes represented family it represented inclusion and we're told that the son is to be robed again in the family garments so he robes the son we're told secondly that he's been uh, ordered to have a ring on his finger this is really interesting that's the family credit card card friends so uh, if you have a family business and your son or daughter joins the family business you would give them access to the family business account so you give them a credit card they didn't have credit cards 2000 years ago but they had the family ring the family ring had a family crest on it and when a business deal was made you would put a blob of wax and you would put the family ring crest into the wax as a way of signing the deal 
that is the family credit card that this deal is happening. It was a way of making uh, deals and purchases and acquisitions uh, as a part of the family. So you're robed as a member of the family, you're ringed, you can make deals uh, for the family. That's the family credit card. So he's robed, he's ringed, he can now make decisions. And the neat thing is, the final thing is he's told to put shoes on his feet. Why? Why? Because the son has run away before and the son has now come home. Well, if you want to make sure the son doesn't run away again, you treat him like a slave. Slaves don't have shoes. Uh, slaves were, were shoeless. Therefore, they couldn't run away fast. And if you needed to chase them, you could run after them quickly because you're the ones in sandals. Putting sandals on the son's, son's feet was a way of saying, I believe you're not going to run away again. I believe you've come back for good. Robed, ringed, and shooed. Jesus says uh, that you are now a part of the family. You can make deals as members of this family. I love that illustration. In Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, we are reclothed as sons and daughters. Let me just talk quickly through a whole load of things that will be helpful for us uh, for a second. So some of us have imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome. Uh, I often feel like I'm a fraud. Uh, at some point, you're going to work out that I don't actually know what I'm talking about and you'll stop listening to the podcast. Uh, this imposter syndrome, uh, you sit in a room and you think that I better not say anything because people will realise I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Many of us have imposter syndromes. Uh, friends, we are not imposters. We are robed in the family garments. Uh, imposter syndrome is ultimately an orphan mindset hidden deep down inside of us, masked somewhere. If you have an imposter syndrome like I do, you might need to check that out with somebody, talk it through with somebody, because it may well be that you've got an orphan complex or an orphan mindset hidden deep down somewhere, and you don't even realize it, and you're masking it in, in, in different ways, uh, but, but actually you don't see yourself fully who you are called to be. Where does orphan syndrome come from? Well, it ultimately, friends, comes from the snake, the snake who comes to challenge the goodness of God, the snake that comes to say, oh, the father isn't actually as good as he claims to be. So if you go back to Genesis, the devil started the story by telling the, the kids, Adam and Eve, that their father was a liar. And the devil still does that today. The devil wants to tell you and I that our God in heaven is a liar. He wants to tell us that Father God is disappointed in us. Uh, Satan wants to tell us that God disapproves of our choices. Satan wants to tell us that God hates uh, what you have become. The devil says this because he hates you and will do anything he can to twist your view of yourself and of your father. Okay? So orphan syndrome is where the evil one is whispering to us, you are not who you think you are. You are worthless. You are not valued. You are not loved. The Father hates you. Why would you even think you have a position in the room? That is the evil one. Friends, you are adopted sons and daughters into the work of God and into the very presence of God. Friends, if you've got something like orphan syndrome or you think so little of yourselves, we can say God loves you to you all day long and it won't make any difference. 
Uh, if deep down you truly believe that God does not love you and that you don't deserve his love, it doesn't matter how many times I tell you today you are loved, you are just not going to believe me. It will wash straight over you uh, because you, uh, you are hardwired not to believe it. Um, but let me just tell you this. Let me tell you that God loves Jesus Christ. God loves his son. The father at Jesus' baptism says, this is my son whom I love. God the father loves Jesus. And friends, you and I are now adopted in Christ by faith. We are loved and we can put confidence in that love, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. We are loved by the Father because he loves the Son and we are adopted into the Son. Friend, you are loved not because you are lovely or obedient, but because Christ is lovely and obedient. And you are now in Christ. You are adopted in him. So friends, our identity as sons and daughters of God in that we have been given something more powerful than we could ever imagine, an antidote to our feelings. We've been given an identity that calls us beyond ourselves and our emotional needs to a story of the glory of God. Jesus comes to bring us back into relationship with God and he comes to bring us into full adoption into the family inheritance. Friends, God takes off our orphan and reveals our true identity. What does this mean? What does it mean that God is revealing our true identity? What does that mean? It means, number one, you have authority. Remember the prodigal son story? You are robed and ringed. The ring is the family crest for you to make deal and acquisitions for the father. Let me read John 8, 35 to you. It says this, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son, well, a son belongs to it forever ever and in galatians 4 6 paul picks up on the same idea when he says this because you are sons and daughters god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and since you are sons and daughters god has made you an heir so friends you have authority as a son and daughter secondly you have purpose your workplace your life place your flat your home your street you are the family priest you are the pastor in that place you have a purpose to pastor and to care to be, be, behave as a a priest of the most high in that place so when isaac my son goes to visit friends house friends houses i expect him to behave as i would in their home i would expect him to be polite i'd expect him to be kind i'd expect him to take his shoes off when he doesn't do those things he brings shame on my family because he does not behave the way that i expect him to do um we are the same we have a we have a purpose we have purpose to be priests and pastors in our workplaces and in these places farther afield and there's an expectation on us that we go into those places representing God's family well behaving as a family member well and thirdly I want to say this you have significance friends you you are a son and daughter of the most high saved from the clutches of the of the son of the least high Satan 
You've been saved from the clutches of Satan. And, and you are now adopted son and daughter of the Most High. Which means this, friends. You can walk with your head held high. You can walk with your head held high. Walk with your head held high. Not because you're a champion, but because you're a child of God. Walk with your head held high because of who you are in him. Friends, you can keep thinking you are coal, that you are rubbish, that you are useless. But actually, friends, hidden within the coal is a diamond. And that diamond is how God sees you what is it we know about us well what we now know is what he knows about us we're adopted sons and daughters we have significance we have purpose and we have authority in him that there is something hidden inside of us that is amazing and beautiful if we were to only believe that it is there so friends you are not an orphan you're adopted son and daughter of the most high and friends this has a massive impact on everything but I will tell you more about that next week. So until then, friends, have a blessed, amazing week. Grace and peace. Peace.